Rebellion, Princess Jenny here with a hot, hot holiday update for you ahead of today's ep. We will be having our annual holiday live watch for patrons next Sunday, December 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. This is a our annual holiday live watch for all of our $5 and up patrons, followed as always by a live chat with all of our $10 and up patrons. So you have about a week and a half to mull, ponder whether this is the right time for you to join our Patreon family. And you know what? If you decide next month that you can't afford it for the whole year, you don't have to stay all year round. I'm just saying we all have finances. I know things are tight. I sometimes join Patreons for some podcasts for a short time. I'm just being real. If you want to join our live watch, it's a real fun time. Every year in December, we watch the original 1980s She-Ra and He-Man Christmas special together because it's just so ridiculous. So come join us Sunday, December 17th. We would love to have you in our queer fam for whatever amount of time you can join us. We love you, queerlings. Enjoy today's app. Welcome to Hey Adora, your queer sheer podcast. I'm Force Captain Meth, they them. And I'm Princess Jenny, she her. And today we are discussing the penultimate episode of season four, Destiny Part One. Holy majoli! Holy majoli. Holy's majoli. Yes, that's the Des- subtitle of the episode is Holy Majoli. We have made it all the way through almost four entire seasons. Uh, yeah, it's wild. Destiny was written by Catherine Nolfi and Laura Shrebney. It was storyboarded by Kelsey Ang, Jasmine Goggins, the regent of Catrador, Mickey Quinn, and Jessica Zamet. It was directed by Jen Bennett. And this is Destiny Part 1. Yes. Because this is a two-parter. Indeed it is. It ends on because quite they, a cliffhanger. They had to break up the epicness into two episodes. Too much epic for one Too sitting. Too much epic. Also, I'm glad I got to use the word penultimate. That's always fun. Correctly. Yes. It's a fun word to use correctly. Oh, my add. gosh. Oh, my, God. Oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe it. how far we've come? I cannot believe how far we've come. I feel like at this moment... Well, we'll get to it, but I have some questions about winning. As do we all. I have some questions about winning. As do we all. But yeah. I'd like to get to Bright Moon before we talk about yes. that. You want to go to Bright Moon? Let's go to the beautiful, frolicky Bright Moon Courtyard. It's so beautiful. And what would make it more beautiful than, you know, seeing a nice pet robot frolicking in the grass? Yes. Any type of pet that enjoys frolicking makes a scene more enjoyable to me. Sure. And any type of pet that enjoys frolicking also has a tendency to destroy a garden. Sure. But we know who does not enjoy frolicking pets of any type, I would wager. Ugh. Yes, we do. Shadow Weaver. Shadow Weaver is bullshit about this. Is But, you know, in, in that Shadow Weaver way where it's just very calm and evil. Yes. Please keep your bots out of my flower bed. Yes. And like, I don't even like, see Emily in the flower bed. I just saw her rolling around in the grass. I mean, I'm sure like there was like, you know, her like rolling around. the. Yeah, flower she bed was before, probably rolling right? indiscriminately like, across yeah. all of the areas. 
Yeah, because I mean, she's a puppy, right? Yeah, like, let her have some joy. My gosh, Scorpia and Emily have never been exposed to grass and fresh air before. Yeah. And flower beds. Yeah. Which are beautiful. But anyway, Scorpia is very compliant. I'm sure mm-hmm. she's still terrified of Shadow Weaver, even though in this new environment, they are not in an authoritarian relationship with each other. That doesn't really matter to Scorpia. Shadow Weaver's terrified. Scorpia's I mean, like, 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 oh, yes, yes, of course. Sorry, sorry. Right. And right. then and sh- she goes on to say, you know. <laughs> this is great so emily keeps crashing around it and scorpio's like no 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 don't crash into the skull plant thingies and i have a tiny professor smart brain moment right now about skull plant thingies. i would love to hear it <laughs> okay so at first i was thinking snapdragons because if you've ever seen dried snapdragons they look like skulls oh yeah and my and first you- thought was skull cap which i have no idea what it looks like but i've heard of it so that was my second idea because because Shadow Weaver is a witch that grows her own tea. That's probably what it was. Yeah. And so I have made Skullcap tea. Skullcap is a flower that is native to the Americas and it's great for relaxing. Yes. So you put that in with some chamomile and you pass the fuck out. Um, but we also know that Shadow Weaver loves decorative flowers. So it could be any number of any type of orchids because there are lots of orchids that also look like skulls including the Darth Vader orchid. What? There's a real there plant is. called the Darth Vader orchid? Yes, in my in my studies online where I googled plants that look like skulls, <laughs> I came across the Darth Vader orchid and the monster orchid. So, it could be any of those. That's I'm cool. going with skullcap. Yeah, because I thought it was skullcap. Yeah, yeah, we know that, that, that Shadow Weaver brews things that are medicinal. She makes her own teas. And Skullcap yeah. is a tea. And Skullcap yes, is a tea. Yes. So I also went with Skullcap. It made the most amount of sense. I like it. So, yeah. I'm behind that. Thanks. All right. So so Emily is, is poking around in the Skullcap. And since she's a robot, she's not going to pass out. Right. Right. She's immune to all of those things. And so yep. after Scorpio wrangles her out of the skull plants, she asks Shadow Weaver, so uh, they let you have your own garden here? Aren't you a prisoner? Am I a prisoner? Everyone's been so nice. How come we're not, you know, in a prison? Is this garden a prison? And then we get one funny line from Shadow Weaver. She loves being deadpan. It wasn't. Oh my God, it's so good. It wasn't until today. I know, it's (laughs) such good shade. It's so shady, I love it. Now I have prepared a Professor Smart Brain moment. Oh. Because this, you know, Scorby's confusion about why are we not in prison, um, about... The justice system, punitive justice versus restorative justice, and Wonderful. Christian cultural supremacy is the backdrop for all of this. My God, okay. it's a slightly deeper I'm dive about- than you might have expected. <laughs> I'm talking about pretty plants that knock you out, and Jenny's going into you know Christian cultural supremacy yeah, well, and, your, and carceral. Yeah, your professor's smart brain <laughs> moments usually take me completely by surprise, so I'm happy to be able to do that for you this one time. Let's hear it. So, I'm about yeah, this. so we know that Bright Moon does not have a prison system. True. And the Fright Zone is basically nothing but a prison system. Also so true. So we have two very different cultures at play here. And yes. it seemed like a good opportunity to evaluate different types of justice systems because it's not like, okay, so Bright Moon doesn't have a prison. Does that mean 
Bright Moon is overrun with criminals? Clearly not. No. Clearly not. Clearly not. So Bright Moon seems to be a place that values restorative justice rather than punitive justice. Punitive justice is more focused on punishment, punishment for crimes, punishment for wrongdoings. And restorative justice is focused more on other things, which we will get into. Um, So... Let's get into this. And as the backdrop for all of this is Christian cultural supremacy, which as a non-Christian living in America is more obvious and relatable to me than it might be for someone who is more subsumed by it. You know, the expression of fish can't see its own water. So we live in a Christian supremacist society, which means that our culture and values come from European Christian culture, regardless of people's individual religious beliefs. It doesn't matter if you go to church. It doesn't matter if you believe in God. We're talking about the cultural norms that shape our society, which are passed down from European Christian society. That is the society that our society is based on. Mm -hmm. So Christianity has a very rigid binary of good and evil, heaven and hell, where sinners must be punished. That's how that worldview is kept up. You know, an eye for an eye, that famous, that very famous line from the Old Testament, which is translated and interpreted very differently in Judaism. But we will circle back to that for now. We're just going to focus on Christianity. Um, And there's also a strong devotion to dogma or belief as opposed to practice that is the guiding principle in Christianity. So this leads to a rigid punitive justice system that focuses on punishment. Um, Mm -hmm. But Bright Moon doesn't have anything like that. They have instead a justice system focused on restorative justice. So what is restorative justice? I'm going to put a bunch of links in the show notes that will help people get a much richer picture of this, because I'm sure this is a new concept to some people, though I'm sure not to everyone. Right. So restorative justice is a holistic approach to harm done within a community that focuses on healing and reconciliation with the goal of giving voice to the victim and repairing the harm done. Um, And indigenous communities in the Americas and the Maori people of New Zealand have a very long, very rich history of restorative justice practices dating far, far back from, you know, before white people came and fucked up everything they had going. Um, But in terms of how this practice has reemerged in our society, it exists within our society as well. So I'd like to read a short excerpt from the nonprofit organization, the First Step Alliance, which is focused on this. And I'm going to put a link to to this article as well. So this is from the First Step Alliance. Restorative justice began as a field of practice in the modern U.S., they forgot to say, in the 1970s. The the objective was to seek a more holistic approach to crime and criminal behavior by focusing on all impacted parties. The primary goal is to help repair the harm caused by a crime while simultaneously considering the humanity of all involved, including the offender. The emphasis on that is mine. Rather than focusing on a criminal act as a violation of law, restorative justice views the act as a violation of people, relationships, and the community, and seeks to repair the harm. While the initial focus of restorative justice was on the criminal justice system, this practice has since been expanded to schools and workplaces. So you can see how profoundly different these two approaches are. Right. One 
addresses the humanity of the offender far more deeply and involves the victim and the offender coming together to reconcile and address the harm in a holistic way that, you know, helps the community feel that the harm has been addressed, that steps have been taken, you know, so that everyone feels safe and not just like, well, there's a bad guy and we got rid of him, you know, like weeding out the bad apples and that, you know, the punitive justice system has a sense of separating out the good people from the bad people as opposed to like, we're all a community. We all fuck up sometimes. We all have to move forward together. That's more of the restorative justice sense of community. So now going back, I want to go back with all this in mind to the Christian versus Jewish understanding of that line, an eye for an eye, from what Hmm. Christians call the Old Testament, which we call the Torah or the Hebrew Bible. Um, The Hebrew of eye for an eye is ayin tachat ayin. So biblical Hebrew is very dense, rich language that can be translated many different ways in English. So that translation is not literal, dogmatic, verbatim. It could be more accurately translated as an eye under an eye, which doesn't necessarily make sense, which is why we Jews have the Talmud. The Talmud is this gigantic, voluminous work of early rabbis between the years 200 and 500 CE, which is what we use instead of AD, instead of B.C. and A.D., which is before Christ and Anno Domini. It's all focusing on timelines. Centering around Christ, we use B.C.E. and C.E., which is before the Common Era and Common Era, just so people know what I'm talking about. So when I say 200 to 500 C.E., that is the same as A.D., that is when all these early rabbis got together, a lot of them, and decided, let's all argue and interpret what we think these confusing statements really mean. And it's dense and it's rich and they didn't all agree. So they have this voluminous, gigantic text, which is the central text of all Jewish law, where we look to make interpretations of these lines. And that is how we codify Jewish law. So if you ask any Jewish scholar, no matter what denomination they are, how strict they are, Orthodox, Reform, if they are a Jewish scholar, they're going to tell you that in no period of Jewish history was that line ever interpreted as literal, I will inflict bodily harm to you because you inflicted bodily harm to me. It was never interpreted that way. And I'm going to give you another link straight to the Talmud. Again, this is going all the way back to the year 200. It is interpreted as one who injures another is liable to pay compensation for that injury due to five types of indemnity, which means, you know, five types of the way that you have hurt someone. He must pay for damage, for pain, for medical costs, for loss of livelihood, and for humiliation. Hmm. So that is much more in line with restorative justice. It's also really specific. Right, like they want people to feel (laughs) that harm has been addressed. Yeah, it's like, okay, you are going you are going to pay for the following things, not like we're going to cut your hand off. Right, right, right. Because like yeah. again, this is, you know, this is early society. They wanted people not to descend into, you know, maybe the eye gouging was an accident. Right. You know, you gouged out my eye by accident. Now I'm gonna gouge your eye out on purpose. Maybe I'm gonna kill you. Maybe you gouged out my mom's eyes. That's my mom. I'm gonna fucking kill you now. 
you know, it's going to become chaos if people don't have a sense of guiding principles of how do we address harm done within a community in a way that feels productive, in a way that feels like, okay, now I can go on with my life. Maybe I can't work anymore because of, you know, maybe it's not an eye. Maybe, you know, my hand got chopped off or maybe, you know, my hand is injured in a way that I can't use it anymore and I no longer am able to, you know, have a livelihood. So the person who has injured me now has to do something about it. They have to compensate me so that I can go on living. If I chop their hand off, it doesn't help me to go on living. It doesn't help to pay my expenses so that I can continue to have a fruitful life. Makes sense. So this is always how this has been interpreted by Jewish text. And that sounds a lot more like restorative justice to me than punitive justice. Yeah. Um, Works for me. So I I think these two types of justice systems are applicable not only on Etheria, but in our own world as well. And I think that's why it's so hard for a lot of Americans who are more deeply steeped, shall we say, in this, you know, Christian supremacist punitive justice system to understand the concept of prison abolition, police abolition. So it's like, well, what else are you going to do with the criminals? The idea that criminals are a static category, they're bad guys, that we have to get rid of them and do something with them somehow right, to keep right, them right, away from right. all of us, the good guys, right, as opposed right. to we are all here together, a community. We have to move forward together as a community. We have to feel safe together as a community. You know, if 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 I hurt you, I am the one who has to make it right. And if I actually have to follow through with those steps, that's a lot more powerful than just you know, locking me up and throwing away the key. And then I'm never going to have the chance to make it right. Yeah. And all of these, you know, redemption arcs that we see in shows like Shira, Avatar, Legend of Korra, shows that we love, that's restorative justice. A redemption arc is a form of restorative justice. Mm -hmm. So these are, you know, things to keep in mind in the world that we are now finding ourselves. You know, what is our path forward? This is one... You know, that I think could be helpful. I love this. I'm so glad. I love this. And I would say that all of us white folks should definitely look to indigenous folks who have a much stronger history of these practices to lead the way. Yeah. And just a reminder that indigenous people are not a monolith. So. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it as if they are. But, you know, those cultures are, you know, many indigenous cultures have a strong history of these models being actually put into practice and not just a lofty theory. Yes. Across many different indigenous cultures. I'm not saying there is one indigenous culture. Right. Yes. Cool. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. I'm glad. I love this. So... So that's where Scorpia is, confused about her new status in this restorative justice world. Um, But nevertheless, she goes back to wrangling Emily out of the skull plants like a big goofy puppy. And meanwhile, Glimmer's back. Oh, great. Wait. Oh, Glimmer has all sorts of ideas. Glimmer's back and she has a plan. She's got a plan. Shadow Weaver and is psyched to discuss it with her, but Glimmer just breezes right by her. Yeah, she's like, uh, nope, I have a plan and I'm going to do this plan. But first I need Scorpia. And Shadow Weaver's like, um, are we going to talk about this? And Glimmer's like, 
no, I have a plan and I need Scorpia. Where are the other princesses? Yep. And we know that Glimmer's plan needs Scorpia because she needs Scorpia to reconnect to the Black Garnet. Ooh. Yep. Yep. Ooh. She tells Scorpia, you know, she does not mince her words at all. She says outright, you're the only person who can save Etheria. And the way you're going to save Etheria is we need you to reconnect to the Black Garnet. Yeah, she's the, she doesn't walk in and be like, I have a plan. Wait, she's just like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Boom. Here's the plan right here. She doesn't like consult with anyone. Yeah, no. She just throws it out she, there. It's fully baked. She, yep. you know, she just throws, this is done. This is what's going to happen. Yep. This is the plan. She's the queen. Yes. This is the plan. And Shadow yep. Weaver wants them to reconvene with the other princesses. Glimmer says they're all gone, which is a little confusing. I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. But last time we checked, it was only Bo and Adora who left. So what happened to Frosta and Perfuma and Mermista? Well, as we find out later, maybe Glimmer didn't just pop right in to say hey to Shadow Weaver and Scorpia, but maybe told everyone that they could just kind of go home and had a little bit of a conversation with Double Trouble before Double Trouble escaped. Right. We definitely, something went on between Glimmer and Double Trouble off camera. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or the other princesses were like, can we go home? And Glimmer's like, yeah, you're cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know? it doesn't really matter at this point. Right, she says right. they're all gone, but it doesn't matter because they're not part of her plan. Right. And like, also like Shadow Weaver doesn't really need to know. Like, she can just kick it in her garden. She's a prisoner. Yeah, Glimmer doesn't care about what Shadow Weaver thinks. Like, Shadow Weaver has this notion that she has inserted herself as Glimmer's new advisor and that she's going to be kept abreast of all of her plans, but that is not the reality. Glimmer's, That's not really what's happening. Glimmer's relationship to authority is a lot like mine, I feel like, is that, like, she will consult with authority when it suits her purposes and when she feels like they're aligned, but if that changes, she does not care. She will just go off no, and she, do her own thing without consulting anyone. She has yeah. no, like, inherent reverence for authority. No, she doesn't. And she also will, like, you know, she will take what she needs from authority. She will learn if she has. <gasps> right. Like, I'm she saying, if it learning. suits her purposes, yeah. she's fine with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, But as soon yeah. as that yeah. diverges, she's like, okay, bye. Yeah. It's like she has respect for learning and knowledge, like <laughs> yes, you do. But yes. When, it, when it's, not when it's so logical, much. when it seems like it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's not like a de it's not a deference. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it makes Shadow sense. Weaver is approaching the conversation with one set of assumptions and Glimmer is approaching with a totally different set of assumptions. So everyone Which is I'm in charge. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's interrupting Glimmer. Glimmer's getting very annoyed. She just wants to finish a sentence, but then mm -hmm. a guard runs up and drops the bomb that double trouble has escaped. Oh fuck. What? I guess we just talked about that, yeah. but what? So, but in, in the real time of the episode, all we know is that Double Trouble has escaped. And it's no, that's no bueno. Yes. It's just no, it's just no good. No good. Yes. No good. And then we go so, straight into the credits. Credits, credits, credits. You know what to do. Do we win in the end? I'm, I don't know. Yes. We're almost at the this end. This is a very tenuous like, moment. We really don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, fuck, are we going to do it? I don't know if we're going to yeah, do it. I mean, Maybe we're not going to do everyone's it. Everyone's game seems equally chaotic right now. It really does. So, you know, it's pretty much 50-50 at this point. 
it really is pretty much 50 50 at this point it's fucked if ever there was a moment to like stay on your game keep your focus you know do whatever you gotta do to like get ready for the final push have your favorite energy drink whatever it may be (laughs) chug a monster go ahead whatever you like you know yeah go chug a monster you'll be good yes um so after the credits, we go to the Beast Island. Yes, our buddies are right where we left them, all squished together inside Entrapta's new robot mech monster. And I love that we have a bunch of callbacks to the first time we meet Entrapta in this scene, too. First, we have I love Entrapta being like, I can't believe we're all here on Beast Island at the same time. What an incredible coincidence. I missed Entrapta. Wait, how is it a callback to the first time we meet her? This this isn't. The I found princesses is. Oh, yes, though. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, I know. It's Entrapta. It's always great to see Entrapta. Um, Adora but- tells her they've been looking for her everywhere and asks if she's okay. And Matt, yeah. she is so okay she's so okay she's literally in her happy place an island full of technological monstrosities each more deadly than the next it's it's paradise it's paradise so she's like oh you came to find me just like you know she was she was confused like when they first went to find her that they came to find her uh, you know, in drill before. So she's she, like, yeah, because okay. she doesn't know how to people. She doesn't know how to people. Okay. So now she knows that the outside world does exist. Yes. Um, And okay. So they did find princesses. Well, there's a princess and then a, a horse bird hybrid. And then Bo, does she never meet Swiftwind? Maybe not officially. I guess, I guess not. I she's guess not. I guess no, not. Because she's never really been in bright moon. She's yeah, sort of like a, sal- a satellite affiliate. Yeah. Also, like, we, we skipped over the line where Entrapta is confused about Adora saying they're here to rescue her because she just rescued them. Yes. And Adora's <laughs> like, yeah, that didn't go as planned. Yeah, that just didn't work. Yeah. So, you know, we've established so, that. Yeah. We're just really excited to have Entrapta yeah, back. Yeah. We're jumping all over the yeah, place here. Yeah, she's standing on Bo's face. Poor Bo. He puts up with it's, so much. He's so, uh, he's, oh, um, poor And Bo. Bo, you know, as best he can while having a foot on his face, explains that they would have come sooner, but they had no idea she was here. They thought she was with Hordak. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he says Hordak's name, Entrapta puts her mask on. Yep. And it's Aww. cracked. I don't know if there's any significance to the fact that her new mask is cracked oh i didn't notice that yeah, one of the eyes has a crack oh oh you know it's like her mask is breaking down or if it's uh-huh. just or if it's just meant to show that she's been living rough i don't know you know but yeah um but you know she is masking now she does not feel safe right. now that they've brought up hordak right you know that was her big mm. failed relationship where she felt safe to be vulnerable and it did not work out Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bo goes on to give her more exposition, says that Scorpio told them what happened and that she and the other princesses are all waiting for her in Trapta back in Bright Moon. And as soon as he says that, everything stops. Entrapta completely shuts down. Mm-hmm. 
This is not easy for her. And Adora notices this and starts to plead. We need your help. We discovered what the first ones were doing at, you know, to Etheria. It's a terrible secret that no one knows. And then, boom, and Trapped is back because <laughs> she knows what's going on. Of course. Oh, you mean the heart of Etheria? Why didn't you say so? Yes. And we're back to our sweet baby and Trapta getting all excited yes. about the apocalypse. As soon as you mention any nightmarish science stuff, Entrapta is it. back to 120%. Stoked. So off they go. Stoked. So off they go into a <laughs> an adventure of technological nightmare. And or fantasies, depending on your point of view. Or fantasies, depending on your point of view. And we go back to the Fright Zone. Yes. We go and to the we... locker room. Oh, the locker room. We haven't seen Catra in the locker room in a yeah, while. Yeah, this is a place huh? where we have had some good times. We've had some really good times. We've had some wonderful times in the locker room. This is where Catra has friends. Yeah. And and fun. Historically, and fun that, with friends. that has happened. This is a place where Catra is comfortable historically. Sometimes. And yeah. Sometimes. Well, at least she's got her pals there. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've seen, we've yeah, seen good pal times with with her yeah. and she's so right now she's in there washing her face and yep. it seems like she is starting to pull herself together mm-hmm. yep she's splashing water on her face she's doing that looking in the mirror we have that you know the classic like looking in the mirror self introspection shot that happens in every movie ever mm-hmm. um and then she turns and... around and sees something yeah she sees these drawings the scorpius drawings on scorpius locker that has all of the cute little goofy drawings of of the of the pals the super pal trio of the super pal trio Uh, and there's this really cute one of just cat yes they are really adorable drawings look like they were done by like a five-year-old and it reminds me of um, in one of the earlier episodes when there's the goofy drawing of She-Ra on Catra's locker yes. that Catra has to rip down yes. when Shadow Weaver comes it in. It made me think so. of that, too. Yeah. You know, that, so, the idea that they could ever have any moments of carefree happiness or just enjoying their life. You know, Also, like, they, they put drawings on their lockers, not in their lockers. Eh. Well, we wouldn't eh. be able to see it if it was in the locker. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Um, so true, Jenny. So of so course, true. this moment of Katra feeling emotionally vulnerable is the exact moment that our Pow Pow buddies should come in, right? Then they're yeah, and look, they look well rested. I'm glad they got some rest. Yes, they finally got some laughing rest. together. Yeah, they look great. But it's like these they got poor, some rest. The, these poor guys. They have the worst timing, and it is not their fault. Like, no, it's really not. <laughs> every time they're having a good moment and they walk into a room, there's Katra about to lose her shit. I know. And so they're just, they're laughing. They're they're having a grand old time. You know, they had a good shift that they're they just getting off. They had a great off. shift. Um, and they see Katra and Lonnie's like, you know, okay, well, we did. Sorry, we didn't know you were in here. They see Catra and they're back. immediately scared. Like the laughter stops right, immediately. Yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, sorry. 
And, and Lonnie's like, okay, we'll come back later. You know, yes, like, yes, oh, yes, we'll come back this later. This is not the place and to be. And Catra, like, re- like was is vulnerable for a microsecond. Yes. And, and reaches out, like, wait. Her and then ears she kind of even look. go down. Yeah. And, like, this is, you know, she's almost forgets that she's forced Captain Catra. Yes. And is, like, just Catra in the locker room with her three friends. Yes. Like, she's always She's been. just, like, lonely kid. She's so lonely. Yes. But she goes, snaps back into um, first Captain Katra yep. and says, mm, like, literally, it's like, mm, what's the report from the field? Right. Yes. It's like the, the throat clearing into yes. all business. Yes. Like, yes. And and Lonnie's like, oh, OK, well, we just got back from conquering another rebel town. The third one this week. Yes. So you're welcome. Like, yes. Try. Um, yes. Things. They're in high spirits. And. Kyle is wonderful here. Yes, he he's is. All, and he's all, you should have seen it. I was all, blah, 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 and he's jumping around, and he's super happy. And, and Rogelio, he was all, Bruh, yeah. And, you know, you know, in his glee, yes. he kicks the drawing of Scorpia and Entrapta and Catra that was on the locker, mm-hmm. and, and Catra loses it. Yep. And. Yep, yep. Catra loses it and ends up having another confrontation with Lonnie. She throws Lonnie violently against the lockers and she's yelling at them that they're pathetic and it escalates Mm -hmm. very quickly. Catra whips out her claws and is fully about to attack Lonnie. But before she can, Kyle jumps in between them to defend Lonnie. Kyle, hero. Kyle's really having a moment. I was just like thinking about Siren. I'm like, Siren, your boy's being a hero yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was yep, like, oh, yep. Kyle, you crushed it. And Kyle was like, you know, we used to be your friends. Why are you treating us like this? Yeah. And, you know, even though he is having kind of a hero moment because he doesn't usually stand up with his body, usually he is, you know, he's a lover, not right. a fighter, but he also is just using his words here. He doesn't even have to raise his voice. No, to he make puts himself Catra yeah. really come undone. Yep, he puts him he puts his body in between Catra and Lonnie, but he doesn't fight. You're right. right. He, He's still and, using his words. He, oh, he just Kyle. says like we used to be your friends. Why are you and, treating us like this? And that gets her. Yeah, like she is so shook. Yep. That gets her. And she just yells at them to get out. Which, of course, they do because they are smart and have survival skills. Yep. I mean, <laughs> I would do the same. Yes. Yes. Um, and Catra is just like. Yes. But before she has time to dwell <sighs> or perseverate. Someone. Ooh, perseverate. Good word. Yeah, that's a good one. Right? Someone yeah, good else one. pops back into the chat. Oh, hey, kitten. It's Ooh, double yeah, trouble. Double trouble. And Catra's like, oh, a friend. Yes. Right. Catra's Catra, so happy to see them. Catra's like, oh, I have a friend. I mean, <clears throat> yes. All business. Yes. Tries to act cool. And then we have double trouble being like, you thought I left you. And we're like, oh, double trouble. You get in this character now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Double trouble obviously is very good at reading people. It's like a key uh-huh. aspect of what they do. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's their whole deal. Yeah. But, like, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. and then we have, you know, 
Double Trouble is, you know, letting Catra know that, you know, they got caught up in Bright Moon, but they have some tea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're letting they're letting Catra know that the princesses aren't getting along, and She-Ra is gone, so Bright Moon is unprotected. Yes, now is the moment to strike! So Catra's like, ooh, yippee. Yes. Like, Catra's like, oh shit, my big moment has arrived. Yes, and this is the perfect moment for Catra to grasp at something that's going to help her feel like she's regaining control, because she's really spinning out. She's really spinning out because, like, you know, she's lost everything. Right. And so this is like, giving her back her sense of self. Like, right. oh, well, I'm the it- one who conquers. I'm the one who wins. This is an active thing that I can do to get right. my sense of control back and my sense right. of self back. So this is right. really good for her right now. Yeah. I don't need people. It's the job. Right. Right. Like, I am the as job. long as I can. Yes. I am the job. Yes. You know, my. Yes. So shit so that's gonna happen that's gonna we're gonna leave them there that's gonna happen you know preparing for giant invasion stuff i guess they have to get all their guns and cannons and tanks ready yeah they have to get all their invadery shit going on and we will go Mm -hmm. back to bright moon for a hallway walk and talk oh i love a good hallway walk and talk so we go back to bright moon and we have a nice walk and talk yes. or shadow. So, Weaver. Can I tell you my first bullet? Cause I think it's kind of funny. Absolutely. So I write shadow weaver is trying to counsel glimmer who looks like she couldn't care less whether shadow weaver is there or not. <laughs> Truth. You know, glimmer is just walking and shadow weaver is like sort of pitter pattering along being like my queen, my mm-hmm. queen. Yeah. And, and glimmer's she's like, we must find, we must find double trouble. And glimmer's like, uh-huh. Glimmer's like, they don't matter. Like, it's fine. We don't need them. Yeah. We have Scorpio. Yep. Yep. You know, that's our plan. Yep. And Shadow Weaver's like, she's never shown any connection to the runestone. I'm like, bitch, that's because you stole I it. Know. Shadow Weaver says that Scorpia is not a true princess. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you, man. Yeah, it's like, oh, I gee. You. I wonder why you think that. Right? Like, it's like we worked so uh-huh. hard to usurp that. Right. Whatever, dude. Yeah. So Glimmer's like, she will be once mm-hmm. we get her to the Black mm-hmm. Garden. And Shadow Weaver's like, bah, 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 wow. Yes. Like, you know, it tells her, like, this is a terrible idea. You are without your allies, without your prisoner, and without a plan. Yes. And and Glimmer's like, I have a plan. Yes. And yes. And uh, this is when Shadow Weaver starts to get creepy and manipulative instead of just saying outright like this is not what you should do she's like my queen listen to mm-hmm. me think yep. have i only have i not only tried to help you and glimmer like kind of starts to think about it a little bit but then right. shadow weaver kind of miscalculates how heavily she can lay it on yeah she ups the creep factor way too much she puts her hand on glimmer's cheek her favorite creepy mom move that has always worked on catra and adora and she says you're letting your emotions get the better of you this plan Uh -uh. is too risky what would Uh -uh. your mother say if she were here which is the exact wrong thing to say to someone who actually had a good mom and is not going to be twisted up in this way 
Exactly. Glimmer's like, you, this is literally, it's like, you don't get to talk about my mama? Like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. That, it was actually the perfect this thing like, to say, least, to like disentangle, yeah. be like, no, 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 we are not doing this. So, you know, Glimmer's like, yeah, you do not get to talk to me about my mother. Yeah. And also, you were the one who told me to decide what kind of queen I am, and I have decided. And I'm the queen who's going to save Etheria. Yeah. Not the queen who's going to do what Shadow Weaver yeah. tells and her to do. And you know what? Like, even though we don't necessarily agree with Glimmer's plan, this is a very badass moment. And I'm very proud of Glimmer. Yeah, For me not too. being Shadow Weaver's lapdog, obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely, um, yeah. And the next moment is great. She just walks away and Shadow Weaver cannot follow her because the queen's guard is there and they do that totally cool thing where like you try to walk and then they just cross the spears in front of you so that you cannot pass. So fucking And the door slams in her face and we will all take a moment to enjoy that, if nothing else. Yep. And then once we have enjoyed that as much as we can, we will go back to the Fright Zone. So we go to the Fright Zone and Katra is standing on her ledge of introspection, only now she's kind of not really being super introspective. She is monitoring the troops for her biggest yes. plan she's, execution she's surveying, ever. you know, the troops moving out. And, you know, the wind is in her hair. She's smiling. Mm. We've never really seen her looking happy up there before like she is now. No, she's also, you know, she's got that sick power stance. Yeah, like, yeah. She's like surveying, you know, her domain yeah. as it is on the yeah. move. And, you know. Yeah. She's she's in her power. Yeah. Or at least she's in her power to the extent that she thinks this is her power. Yeah, yeah. She's feeling good. Um, and then Hordak shows up on the platform next to her looking grumpy because that is his dominant mood. Because he's Hordak. To just piss all over everything with his he's like, Man. grumpy sauce. We really love Hordak here on, on the Dark Muto. <laughs> yeah. He's like, bra, 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 bra. Yeah, what is yeah. the meaning of this? And Katra has a great line then. She says, oh, sorry. I thought you wanted to defeat the rebellion because this is what that looks like. <laughs> and, you know, Hordak is like, bra, 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 bra. We're already... Da, da, da. I don't but even he care actually, about But <laughs> he actually comes around on it once he realizes... He does. He, yeah. He actually comes around on it and... He even praises Katra. Like, he is psyched he once he realizes that they might actually fully conquer Etheria before Big Brother arrives. Mm-hmm. He's like, well done, Force yep, Captain he says, Katra. Yep, and he says, and he you know, actually says, he will see what I am capable of. No, what we are capable of. Yeah, he gives her some, he gives her a little bit of respect and he says, victory is ours. And okay. Yes, and then they both cheesy, have this. Like, I kind of love that moment. Like, even I though know. I don't love, obviously I don't love Hordak. This is kind of a great little happy villainy moment for them. They're like side by side yeah. on their platform and they both have the majestic wind in their hair and they're in their power stance. As Hordak says, with no apparent irony, Victory yeah. is ours. It's like a little premature, but they're both really happy right now. <laughs> so, like, I know this is a huge moment for Katra, but like, and it, uh, acknowledgement. This is a huge moment for Katra. She finally thinks that she's getting what she needs. She's getting the recognition that she's craved for her entire life. She is literally like, she is doing the thing. 
you know, she's standing in her victory stance. She's got her victory, her villainous, like, fucking March of the Empire score, like, coming in behind her with the deep brass and the ominous choral swells. Like, she's a badass now, but I'm just like, meh, Hordak. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not trying to downplay Catra's vote, yeah, but I'm yeah. just like, oh, Hordak. Yeah, I mean, do? I, I, you know? obviously I don't like Hordak, but there are moments where I see his humanity. Like again, going yeah. back to the idea of restorative justice, right. the key to making it work is recognizing the humanity of everyone involved. And as we move into season five, we're going to see more of Hordak's humanity. And yes, I'm not so, saying I forgive agreed. him or I, you know, I trust him. But, you know, right. he also is a victim of abuse. Yes. And yes. And we do see his humanity later on in this episode as well. Yeah. Like we and and later on in Destiny 2 as well. We do see what happens when he he assert like the fact that he started to gain a humanity. We see what happens yeah. to him. Yeah. So like, you know, I will, I mean, I'm giving him his humanity. I just think he sucks. Yeah, no, I, I you, agree. Someone can suck yes. and still be a human. Yes, 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 yes. I just think it's worth, <laughs> yeah. you know, parsing yeah. that out a little bit finer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So let's mosey on back to Beast Island. So we're back My to Beast Island. My first bullet for this scene is, OMG, can you believe these guys are still on Beast Island? I know. <laughs> Like, I mean, they're taking their time. Like it seems like they were ready to leave at the end of the last episode, right? But you know, a trapped has got some tea, so yeah, they gotta, she's like, still got you know. a lot of juicy data to wade through, and a lot of really a lot does. of scientific exposition to give. Well, man, it is it is an exposition dump. Oh my god! So she's got still has to lead us into this structure that's deep in the center of the island. And mm-hmm. she's very chipper about it. Everyone else is still suffering from the signal getting louder. Yep. And the two magical people hear the signal the loudest. Yes. And, yes. Uh, um, either, <laughs> Micah keeps referring to Swiftwind as the talking horse. I mean, accurate. Uh, which is accurate, but Swiftwind has a name. You, yeah, it. you could just call him by his name. But, you know, they we they do establish a really good yes, bond. Yes, somehow, so, yes. Yes. And Traptus says, don't worry about the signal. It's better inside. I love it. Inside where, you may ask. It's just and down we, this very long, dark tunnel that you can't even see the end of, which is definitely fine. Definitely fine, Jenny. I would be so allergic to this place. Oh, my God. You would not be able to string a sentence together. No, I would. There's so much mold and mildew oh. here. I would just be like passing out. It would suck. Yeah. I would I would not be able to go to Beast Island. Folks, Beast Island would be a punishment for me, not because of all the razor sharp things, but because of all the allergens, because I'm an indoor kid. Yes. Well, actually, sometimes the indoors, depending on how moldy they are, is worse for you than the outdoors. Fair. Yeah. Meth, Fair. meth has I'm to a, be very careful with molds. I'm a sensitive flower. It's true. So they go into this terrible place and Swifty says a great line. says, wow, this place is terrible i hate it you know he he can only speak the truth i know i love it i love it and then adora calls it a first one's temple but i don't really feel like that's accurate since the first ones have no religion as far as we know and i also thought that was a weird way to like frame that you know unless the whole place is like a temple devoted to the worship of tech maybe it's like the only like 
understanding she has of it. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not necessarily like, the most accurate word. It's just the easiest. It's just the, e- easiest, the easiest framing device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think maybe it's Temple more in the idea of it being a monument to something yeah. rather than yeah, like I think that's right. a place of worship. Yeah, I think that's right. In- so, and I think maybe that's how Adora understands. Yeah, I think it. monument to tech so, is much more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So, but monument, like as the first one, monument, people would be like, it's not a statue. You know what right, I mean? Right, so, right, right. Like it's a place yeah. that you enter. It's a, just a yeah. place full of tech. It's just a place full of tech. <laughs> and Entrapta There's loves just it. tech everywhere. Entrapta loves it so, so, so fucking much. I mean, it is a temple for Entrapta. Definitely. So, so Entrapta says, isn't it amazing? The first ones tried to bury their secrets by dumping them on Beast Island. The answers I've been looking for, they're all here. And she has like tears of joy in her eyes as she's saying this. I know. And I, hey, I've been there. I have been there just being like, oh my God, I have, I have been able to spend so much time learning all of these things. Ah, you know, just the pure, unadulterated nerd joy is just wonderful. I I love you, Entrapta. Yeah, I mean, I have definitely been in amazing libraries that I have loved, but I don't know if I've ever experienced it on the level that she's experiencing it, where she's like, all the answers I've ever wanted are here. I think it's like, um, I mean, she, it's, she's experiencing the sublime, yes. right? Like, that yes. is what this That's is for Entrapta. very well put, yes. She's experiencing the sublime. Like, yes. for Entrapta, this is the most beautiful thing that she can experience, and it is so awe-inspiring, all she can do is feel everything at the same time. Yes, yes. That is so deliciously put. Mwah. Thank you. 10 out of 10. I, I'm, good at, I'm good at words. Yes, yes, you do words good. Thank you, me. I'm talking. Um, so happy, happy fun. So you know, she she starts turning some knobs, and a bunch of giant screens pop up, and she gives us some more exposition. She yep. says, "My theories were correct. I knew the first ones had retrofitted the planet with tech. I just didn't know why, but it all makes sense now. They were mining the planet's magic, using it to power their weapon, the Heart of Etheria." But of course, you know all about the heart of Etheria already, seeing as you're a part of it. Yeah, and I love that Adora's, she just assumes Adora knows everything about it, which makes sense because... Right, but Adora, this is confusing to me that Adora acts so shook by this statement because she did know that Shira is a part of the heart of Etheria. We learned that in Hero. Right. But, like... Maybe she doesn't know how much of a part of it. I mean, the the conclusion that I came to, I put a little note here, is I guess Wait. we need her to express more confusion so Entrapta can keep giving us more exposition. Because, I mean, if we go back to Hero, Mara made it... I, I, like, went back through my notes in Hero at this point. I was like, wait a minute, doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't Adora pretty much know that Shira is the key to the Heart of Etheria weapon? She knows that she's the key, but yeah, so, yeah, you know, this I makes feel sense. Like, you know, I, the, I see what you're saying. You know, we, we want we want Entrapta to give us all the hairy details. So the best way for that to happen now is for everyone to be confused so Entrapta can just keep expositing. 
Right, right. If if Entraptus had something like out something else, right? Like, but you know about the heart of Etheria already, right? Seeing as how you're a giant fucking part of being the weapon or something like that, it would kind of blow everything in the like. It yeah, would yeah, yeah. And it, you right? know, it's been like, a few episodes, so it doesn't hurt to have a refresher. It's not like yeah. it was just the last episode. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So that's fine. you know, Entrapta gives us this fantastic infographic that definitely represents the conversation that we had when we were discussing like, well, how does this weapon actually work and how are the princesses involved? And I, you know, I was talking about the light bulbs from that model, the first model she made uh-huh. in season one. This is a, a much more uh, simplistic and better representation of how the weapon actually works. So let's go through the info dumps so we're all on the same page when all of it shit, all this shit starts yes, to happen. Yes, yes. Okay, so we learn... From Entrapta, the heart draws its power from the magic of the princesses, and it needs all the runestones engaged to work. And Shira is the most important part because Shira is the key. So we know that Shira is the key. Mm-hmm. She channels the weapon's power and focuses it. And you know, Shira is the princess of power, and so now that all that makes sense, yes. right? Like she is the power of the weapon, yes. right? Yes, like, yes. Um, and her runestone is the sword. Okay. Um, and also, just a little side note, I liked the fact that there were, like, people in the in robes bestowing the power on Tamara when they show that, like, video. Well, they show those people giving her the sword. And the sword... Right, they give her the sword The sword, of sword power. is not the power. The sword is the thing the first one's made to control the power. Right, exactly. But it is the runestone of power, right? So like they are bestowing the runestone of power on her. So like metaphorically, it's they are bestowing Mara is the Shira. Yes. Some for some unknown way, she was chosen by Etheria to be Shira. Whatever yes. the mental of the yes. Shira yes. is. And then whoever these people in the robes are either recognize that or are like, hey, we chose you, right? Right, like, right. So they then took whatever. It. So they took whatever energy that has to go with the Shira and put it in this sword. And so they made that runestone for the Shira. Yes. Right. So then they gave her the runestone of power. Yes. So like, so in metaphors, we have these like, these like patriarchy roby people yes. giving Mara power. Yeah. So like it's, the Watchers Council. It's like the Watchers Council. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have that. Yeah. Um. Yep. And then Entrapta goes on to say that Shira is the only being strong enough to withstand the destructive energy of the heart. So the first ones yep. made the sword to control her, to use her. When the heart right. is deployed, Shira will raise her sword and fire it. And then she ends with a bunch of mad scientist giggles. Like she can't wait to see... What happens when this all goes down? Right. And and Adora looks absolutely so, horrified. Yep. And and she's like, okay, well then I can stop it, right? Yes. Um, if she refires the weapon, then it just won't do it. And Entrapta says, once the planet is balanced, no one can stop it. Not even the first ones could control it. And that's why they left. Mm-hmm. When the weapon is activated. It will channel all of its power into you. You don't get to refuse. Yes. So, and this is a very intense shot. Like homegirl is staring straight into Adora's eyes when she says this. Her face is filling almost the entire screen when she says, yep. you don't get to refuse. Like it's very, in- I know it's, it's very it's intense. Wild. 
Um, so the first ones essentially started the weapon and then all bounced, right? That was like, that's why everybody left the planet. Yeah. And that's when everybody left the planet. So they're like, oh shit, we pressed the button and then they all bounced and they left Mara there. I'm not sure if that's exactly the order of events. It could be. Because that's what I'm trying to figure yeah. out. Right? I mean, basically, like, like you know, Entrapta delivers this devastating pronouncement to Adora. Adora starts panicking. She pushes past Entrapta and she's looking at all this old footage of Mara and all this horrible, scary stuff that's happening to her. So they're just freaking out. And then Bo jumps in and points out that there's still one runestone offline. So the planet's right. not balanced yet. So none of this right. stuff can happen yet. Right. But so I'm trying to like just figure out what happened before. So like the timeline of what happened before, because I think this is important to understand, is that they did at first balance their planet. And then. Yes. I mean, the heart was activated in Mara's time. That's what we saw the heart, in Hero. Right. So that's what. So that's where I'm at. Okay. So the heart was activated in Mara's time. Not even the first ones could control it. That's why they left. So the first ones left. They left Mara there to be the weapon. Mara said, fuck that. Slammed the, you know, slammed the sword into the ground and then put the planet into Despondos. Yes. Which essentially took the weapon offline. Okay. So when Mara well, put them into sure if going into Despondos is what took the planet offline, because there's been a couple times that it came up that it's like, well, I put the planet into Despondos so it wouldn't be able to reach the greater universe to do damage to anyone else. No, I think Mara it was dying. Her, put, right. put, put it offline. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So Mara put the planet into Despondos, died, brought the weapon offline. The other princesses' runestones were still online, right? Yes. Once Mara died... All the princesses on Etheria still had their runestones. They were all balanced. They were living their normal Etherian lives, just right. in the dimension of Despondos. Right. But there was no Eternian-made colonizer sword. Right. Um, and for whatever reason that we don't have all the details on, there was never another Shira. So there could never be another eruption of the heart of Etheria. But all of right. the pre-existing Ethereum princesses and their runestones were still in balance. Right. Now we have another Shira, but due to the Horde colonizers, one of the runestones, the Black Garnet, is offline. Mm -hmm. And right. so the heart still can't fire, even though we now have a new Shira. Right. And so that final piece still has to come back. Right. Yes. So, so we have our exposition. Jenny explained to me exactly what happened because... Me and world building is like tuna fish and chocolate. We just don't understand each other. Oh, uh, that was a horrifying image you just put in my head. Uh, that's tuna that's fish me and, and world building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was very, yeah, that was very good. Like, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. once again I'm good with words. Yeah. So they're freaking out. They're freaking out. And but Bo points out that with the black garnet still offline, they're not in any immediate danger. But Scorpia is with Glimmer. You don't think Glimmer would figure this out, do you? You don't think Glimmer would do anything, do you? Uh, we better get back to Bright Moon. They're like, uh, yeah, she totally fucking would because yeah. it's Glimmer. Yeah. Also, uh, this is a tiny thing, but I've thought about it a bunch of times and I've never mentioned it. And it's especially noticeable now that we're looking at the Black Garnet rendered as a simple line drawing. The Black Garnet mm -hmm. really reminds me of the Dark Crystal from the Dark Crystal. 
Yes, it super does. Thank you for bringing that up. No problem. Because I'm like, what does this look like? It also kind of looks like the crystals in Final Fantasy. If somebody is a Final Fantasy uh, player, um, they look like a lot of the crystals in the older Final Fantasy games, which are also very, like... I'm not familiar with that. They're... But I'm sure you're right. Video games. Yeah. But yeah, like old yeah. school Final and Fantasy games have that look too. It makes sense that the Black Garnet would be the one to resemble the Dark Crystal because the Dark Crystal is not whole. It's mm. the one that needs to be made whole to repair the world. Right. So I, I definitely think that's intentional. Playing on last episode's uh, theme, if you want to watch more 80s fantasy, check out the Dark Crystal, yeah, another yeah, 80s yeah. fantasy film. Dun Jim Henson, uh, Brian Froud, I think. Yes, Was that another yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, took them five years to make it. Yeah, beautiful film. Yeah, yeah. My top, Absolutely gorgeous my film. My top three favorite movies of all time, they were all branded yeah. into my brain when I was very small. The Dark Crystal, yeah. The NeverEnding Story, and The Last Unicorn. Yeah, all wonderful 80s fantasy films. Yes, um, fantasy quests. Fantasy quests, very, very political also. Especially The Last Unicorn. The Last Unicorn is very mm, political. I never thought of them that way, probably because I was so little when I saw them, but they are very dark fantasies. They're, they're very dark fantasies. They're wonderful films. Yeah. But let's get back to Bright Moon. Let's get back to Bright Moon. Let's get to Scorpia's room. Aww. Which Glimmer charges into, full of excitement and resolve face, to announce and to Scorpia that they need to get to the Fright Zone and that her plan is going to work. And Scorpia's hiding in a pile of pillows. A pile of foofy, luxurious bright moon pillows with a and teeny I love that. tiny tip of a scorpion tail just sticking out. I love that. It's I mean, it's sad that she's doing she has her little tail poking out, but it's really cute. And also just like oh, It's also cute that Emily Emily is guarding said pile of pillows. Yes. Yes, uh, we love definitely. that Scorpia has Emily. We do love that Scorpia has Emily and Emily has Scorpia. Yeah. I mean, they love each other. They do. And Glimmer responds to this situation really well. Like, I approve of how Glimmer handles this. Glimmer does handle this very well. She could have been, like, really hard and commandery and been like, you know, come on, soldier, you know, we're counting on you. What the fuck? Get up. But she is very soft. She just gets down on her knees on the floor and she asks Scorpia, what's wrong? Yeah. She does not put any and pressure on her. She just says what's wrong. She doesn't. And, you know, Glimmer asks what's wrong. And Glimmer's like, I thought you wanted to be a princess. And Scorpia says, OK, I have been considering. I appreciate the offer, but I came to here to help Entrapta. And I don't want to betray the Horde or Catra. Right. Because... Scorpia's loyal. Yeah, she's like, I brave. left them, but I don't want to betray them. Yeah. That's like another really big step. Yeah. And Glimmer. And here's the thing with Glimmer. Glimmer could be manipulative in this moment, and I don't think she is. I agree. I think Glimmer is being incredibly sincere. I agree. I think she believes everything that she's saying. I believe, and I believe that she does have the best interest of everybody at heart here. I totally agree um, with what you're saying because Glimmer's next line, which could be viewed as manipulative, but I agree with you that it's not. Glimmer says that this will actually be saving the Horde as well um, yep. from Horde Prime, 
who right. definitely is not going to need to keep Catra around once he gets here and conquers the planet. Definitely not. Um, I totally agree yeah. with you. I believe that Glimmer is being 100% sincere. Yeah. Um, and that gets Scorpio to come out of her pillow nest. Um, and Glimmer says, we both want to save the people we love, but I can't do it without you. Mm-hmm. And what does Scorpio yeah. say? Scorpio is... Scorpio thinks it's hopeless because she's afraid that the Black Garnet... She's afraid her destiny doesn't want her. And she's just afraid to get rejected again. Yes. She kind of gets rejected a lot. Yes. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking, but it's also really brave that she's able to just say so honestly, like, her deepest fears. She's just someone she barely knows. Yeah. I mean, Scorpio's pretty, like, emotionally open, though. She's... I'm just saying I think it's brave. I think... I mean... She is brave. She's a brave person. Sure. Like, emotionally brave. Like, it's easy for her to be physically brave, um, but she's also emotionally brave. She is emotionally brave and strong and gives great hugs. Absolutely. Um, And Glimmer commiserates with her and shares how she's always felt like the weak princess because she needs to recharge, which, you know, I get it. But I've also never seen her as weak because she needs to recharge. Like, you know, she's still very powerful. Sure. But Glimmer has always had that sort of... um... Yeah, she definitely has a little bit of an inferiority complex. You know, her mom's immortal. Her dad is this incredibly famous sorcerer and he died before she got to know him. So she has this larger than life sense of him as well. Mm -hmm, Yeah. So Um, and so Glimmer. Glimmer, Yeah, so Glimmer is really able to commiserate with Scorpia. Um, But she says and and she feels like her friends abandoned her. Yes, that's a really big one is that she feels like her friends abandoned her, like just left her for like for good yeah. for permanently. Yeah. That they have just parted um, ways. Right. Which like I'm sure Bo's letter did not say any of that. Yeah. Any of Bo's like 6,000 letters <laughs> that he probably like left yeah. all over the yeah. place. Yeah. Like Bo is the type of person he probably left mass at like multiple voicemails too. On, <laughs> yeah, like right. Tracker Pad was yeah. like, hey, it's me. Yeah. We're just on our way. But she, see if you're she okay. can't but hear it. She can't hear it. You know? Yeah. Um, but so Glimmer says, but that's changed now. We've changed now. We're stronger right. than anyone knows. We can do this. We can save everyone. And that really reaches Scorpia. Mm-hmm. Because that's what Scorpia wants to do, too. Yeah. Like, and Scorpia's like, everyone? Yeah, and, and that Glimmer- moment is so affecting. It really is. And Glimmer does believe, like, you were born for this. You're not hopeless. We're in this together. You're going to make a great princess. Yes. And they hug it out. And Glimmer's the one that keeps the hug. And Scorpia's getting good hugs, not just giving good hugs. Finally. And this is the moment where I'm like, actually, Glimmer is like her plan is going through. But that's not why she's giving Scorpia these hugs. Right. Like That's right. This is genuine. Absolutely. She's like, we can do this together. Yes. I believe in us. Yes. And we're, I believe in we're you. We're going to win in the end. We can do this. We're going to win in the end. And that was like, that's through the power really of hugs. Through the power of hugs. Because we can count on each other. And so now it's time for them to go save the world. Yeah. So what now? Now we go save the world. 
Love it. And it's like, you know, like ah. their energy is wonderful. Their energy is wonderful. And I love it. And I love them. And it may be a misguided plan, but it is coming from a good place. Yes. Their goals are the same as ours. Yes. To win in the end. Yes. And to save everyone. And to save everyone. Yes. So now it's time to run back over to Beast Island. So much Beast Island. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. They're still in Beast Island. They're still running away from the Technovines. Talking they're running about away from the Technovines. They have to get back as fast as they can. Micah is psyched, and he's thinking maybe he should bring Glimmer a present. Does she like bugs? And Swiftwind is like, no one likes bugs. Which is, and I guess which some- is not true. Many little kids fucking love bugs. Yeah, there are entire studies of biology dedicated to bugs. Yes. But it is a so it is a funny adults line. Adults like adults like bugs too. But yeah. I think Swifty has no. really had enough of bugs. I mean, I get it. Like Beast Island has some pretty gnarly bugs. I'd be done too. Yeah, especially if people have been trying to get you to eat them repeatedly. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, I learned something over this weekend, which I had a um had a sense of because of my own body. But uh, so last episode, you may have heard that I had eaten cricket before, Chipoline. Yes. Um, I have since developed an allergy because, oh, no. once again, yeah. I'm a sensitive flower to crustaceans. Oh. So I cannot have <gasps> crab. Oh, no. So, yeah, you see where this is going. So I cannot have crab or shrimp or lobster. Well, it turns out that cricket, if you have an allergy to those things, you are also allergic to cricket, which I learned about two years later. I was like, oh, cricket cook. Somebody was having cricket cookies at the farmer's market. And I went, yummy. I love cricket cookies. And I like crickets. They're delicious. And they went to go bite into it. And I had a allergic reaction. Oh, that's so, so sad. Yeah. So an, a, a sad little tag to my story about people eating bugs is that if you have particular allergies to particular seafoods, that are actually just sea bugs. You may yes. actually have allergies to land bugs too. Very sad. Off to the world without shrimp for you. The world without shrimp for me. I'm allergic. <sighs> well, anyway, so they are off and running, but they realize Entrapta is not running with them and in fact has no intention of leaving. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. two reasons. Number one, she's staying because of what is here, all the information and sciencey science that she's ever wanted. Absolutely. And then second, she's staying because of what isn't here, which is other people and relationships, which are just too hard. Yes. And I just want to bring up really quick before we kind of talk more about that, because that comes up a little bit later. Um, I've personally been in places where I've been so depressed. All I've wanted to do is sit in my bed and read Wikipedia. And that's kind of been my own little like comfort place is just downloading and mainlining information. And two... This is another way that we see depression manifest on Beast Island is self-isolation. Oh, yeah. Um, That's very relatable. Yeah, which is very relatable for a lot of folks. Um, And that's something that we hadn't seen in, you know, the last episode where everybody had their own way that depression manifested and trapped as a self-isolation, which is also compounded by um, the way that Entrapta moves through the world with her own neurodivergence. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Also, her eyes gray out. Which is the same thing that happened to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, but she's got the big, like, it's so focused on her eyes. And her eyes are pink. Yeah. That, like, it's it's more noticeable. noticeable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So everyone's trying to save her. 
Adora transforms into Shira, and you know it's a little bit easier than to just sort of slice through the vines, grab Entrapta, run for the ship. Mm-hmm. But there are more Pukas now. Yeah, and Entrapta and we have doesn't even want battles. to be saved. Entrapta is like fighting to be left behind while yep. they're fighting off the Pukas. Yep. And then they, and we have a new enormous monster. Giant snake monster. It's like an amazingly cool snake monster that has like a smaller snake inside. Like it opens its first head and it has a smaller, like the, the first head is like a worm almost. And then inside. Yeah, with a smiley face. Yeah, yeah. Look, the first head looks cute and happy. And then inside the cute and happy head is a like a crocodile head with big sharp teeth. Yeah, it looks like Shy Halud from Dune. It's got like these crazy teeth and it's going to like, you know, destroy you. Yeah, I still have not seen Dune, but I'm sure that is correct. Um, it's a worm it's a, with crazy teeth yeah, that destroys you. It's a very cool monster, but it is not cool for our buddies. No, it's terrifying for our buddies and with good fucking reason. It's a giant monster yeah, that wants to eat it's them. It's so huge that it just uses its body to smash like the, yeah. the walkway that they are on and they all just fall. Yeah, um, and it's getting pretty desperate. Micah puts up a big magical force field around them, which is just like a temporary solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo gives Entrapta a rousing friendship speech and says that they're not going to leave her again, and they haven't given up on her, which seems to be reaching her like somewhat. Uh, but then Adora, who is still in Shira form, says that they do not have time for this, and she just tells Entrapta about the ancient first one spaceship that they came here on. Right. And you then it's like entrapped that works. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. That is what works. That is what you works. You got to know your audience. You got to know your audience. And you know what? That would probably work for me too. Yes, this is Entrapta's version of recharging under the moonstone. Absolutely. You want to get me It is actually. You want to get you want to get entrapped off Depression Island, you know. I I feel like saying Working hard on friendship and relationships isn't going to do it, especially to someone that has really hard time understanding other people. Yeah. Like, she does work hard on friendships and relationships. That's she's ex- not what you say to someone. She's from working hard on friendships yeah. and relationships. Like, that's not what you say to someone who, like, has these, yeah. like, has this difficulty. Like, that's actually... Not the greatest thing to say, what, I think though. what he's trying to express and maybe not doing it well is that this is how it is for everyone. It's not just you. Like, you're not broken because you feel like it's hard. It's hard for everyone. Right. We all feel this way. But, like, I don't right. think he approaches it that well. But I think that's what he's trying to convey. Right. Whereas, like, with Entrapta, like, it's a different kind of feeling yeah. that way. Yeah. And I don't think that Bo is seeing I agree that. with that. I agree. Um, right. But, you know. Adora's plan works. Entrapta Adora's plan works. is like, yeah. yes, I want to see the ship. There's still a lot more monsters coming. But luckily, Entrapta's latest robot buddy comes when she whistles. And it's also a giant badass. I love that. And I love that it, it you know, it it's like a big slammy badass. So it also does slams and, you know, it goes, bro, yeah, slam. Yeah. And then everything falls just like the, like the worm does. Yes. And she was like, okay, bye, friend. And it gives yeah. a thumbs yes. up. Yes, and I love, again, that she's gendered it female. She, she calls it uh-huh. girl. I'll come back for uh-huh. you, girl. Um, even though, again, it has no visible gender markers. Right, I like, right. You know, because, again, like, in general, in our society, when cartoony beings 
that don't have any visible gender gender markers are gendered. They're generally always gendered male unless they have a, like a bow or something. Right. So it's nice to <laughs> see that. Yeah, it's true. It's nice to see that being subverted. Or like eyes, like big eyes eyelashes. with like big eyelashes, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there is one cute little friendship moment when Boa's like, did anything I said about friendship do anything for you or was it all just the ship? And she's like, oh, definitely the ship. But, you know, thanks for what you said. I'm glad we're friends. Yeah, and that was sweet. Was sweet. Like, you know, she's not, she does have friends. She is capable of, of friendship. Of course she is. Like, of course she is. Like, obviously, yeah. like, but, you know, she's, she just, she really loves her robots. Like, really, really love them. I really love of them. Of course. Spaceships, which, like, come on, Yeah, man. I mean, who That's wouldn't? cool. Yeah. Right? So, so off they go to the ship, <sighs> and off we go to Hordak's Sanctum. What makes something a sanctum? It's a question for the ages, man. It is a question for the ages, and, but, Horn, Hordak's Sanctum, and She-Ra's there? What? Oh, it's not She-Ra. No. <laughs> we knew no. right away from the demeanor of this person that it was not She-Ra. No, it's Double Trouble. Double Trouble loves to fuck around. Does. They, they are such a, they are... They're such a they're such a little cad, aren't they? Yes, this such a this cad. is their favorite thing, just like toying with people and fucking it's like around, toying with people. And so like, this I and found it's interesting. Not even like they're trying to pretend to be Shira. I think it's very clear that they are like putting on the guise of Shira because they yeah. know it pisses people off. But like, if they were actually trying to pretend to be Shira, they wouldn't be acting this way. No, but they're just like, I know this bugs you. I'm going to poke like, you. I'm going to poke you. Like, yeah. Like, hey, I'm She-Ra. Nah, like, you know, like the bratty yeah. younger sibling. It's like, I know this bugs you. Yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. So they're like, hey, I'm She-Ra JK. Yes. And uh, and of course, they're double trouble. So they are poking in and they're saying, oh, I know no one's allowed in here. Not since you let that princess in. And then we see something interesting, which Jenny, I'm sure you picked up on, is we have a shot from the back and we only see the hair. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we know that Double Trouble has probably seen pictures of Entrapta, but does this mean that Double Trouble can't transform unless they've met a person? I actually didn't even think about that. I thought that they were just teasing a slight suggestion of Entrapta because that was okay. all that was needed. I didn't think it through as much as you did. Hmm, that could be it too. Um, but you know, all they need to do is is, you know, put like a, a tiny little suggestion in Hordak's brain like, "Oh, remember in Trapped?" Right. I know yeah. about that. I know about that. Also, like and then Hort, you know, and the double trouble asks the question, "What makes something a sanctum?" Yeah. So basically, we all want to know. Yeah, so basically, you know, double trouble gives the big reveal to Hordak that Entrapta was never in Bright Moon. Entrapta never betrayed them. Catra mm -hmm. actually sent Entrapta to Beast Island, but Double Trouble plays it in a way that, like, assuming that Hordak was in on it, because obviously this was your plan. Obviously, Catra's not smart enough to go behind your back. This was right. also she's not even that good of an actor right. anyway. This was your <laughs> ruse because this was the distraction, so Shira would go rescue her, and this is why now Bright Moon is unprotected, so we can go attack it. Obviously, this was your master plan because you're so smart, right, boss? 
Mm-hmm. So now we see, I mean, I think it's very clear at this point that Double Trouble has switched sides. Do your thing, yes. Chaotic Neutral. Yep. Get it. Um, And so, you know, we see Hordak react to this news. Double Trouble skips out, having sown the seeds of chaos and discord. <laughs> Tra la 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 la. And Hordak responds to this emotional news with his favorite coping mechanism of laser blasting rooms that he is standing in. But he also cries. He cries, yes. But then he destroys things. Yes. You know, because that's what happens when you have feelings. So he has enough feelings where he cries, but then he also destroys things. Destroys the um, room that he's standing in. Yeah, because, like, you know, that's Go what... outside before you use your blaster arm, man. I this know. is an outside toy. This is an outside. Your brand new blaster that you've been fixing up for this just this occasion is an outside toy. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand what he thinks is going to happen if he keeps blasting rooms while he's standing inside them. But this is really important. Yes, of course. This is like an important thing for Hordak, because as we mentioned before in the episode, we see that Hordak is able to feel love. And not only that, but is like a person. Yes. With like feelings of his own. And he trusted Entrapta with his vulnerability in a way that he Mm -hmm. had never trusted anyone Yes. Yes. Um, And so this was a huge reveal for him. So we're going to leave him crying in his sanctum. (laughs) We're going to leave him crying, destroying things in his sanctum with his man pain. uh, Yes, I'm sure that's going to be fine. And meanwhile, we'll we'll skip over to Mara's ship where our buddies have finally made it back to safety. So our pals are here and Entrapped is just like, (gasps) oh, Yeah, I wrote that Entrapta is having a meet cute with a spaceship and would like to be alone with it. Thanks. (laughs) She really is. And we see in the next season that they develop a romantic relationship. Yes. Um, They have a miraculous love. They have a miraculous love. And they really do. And so she's having her moment. She just wants to push buttons and find things. Yes. How does this work? What does this button do? I'm going to push it and find out. I mean, I do that whenever I see new tech. Yes, I which just is, like yeah, buttons, but Bo is so. like, don't take apart the ship while we're inside the ship, basically. Yeah. Again, yeah, please. you know, safety parameters. Makes sense. Yes. And that you know, kind of reminded me of a scene from Buffy. Um, there's an episode in season four of Buffy when Riley has been kidnapped and the Scoobies are planning to rescue him and they have managed to capture a blaster from the initiative. Um, and they're trying to figure out how to use it, but it is a blaster and, and Xander keeps getting sort of minorly electrocuted by it. And he's very hesitant with how he's, you know, trying to fix it. And Willow's getting impatient with him. And he says, it's called a blaster. Well, if it was called an orgasmatron, I'd be all for your basic button pushing approach. <laughs> they also don't notice when he's being. Uh, yeah, they don't notice when he's getting zapped. They don't notice that he's being um, electrocuted, which is great yeah, because yeah. who cares at Xander? Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, you know, sometimes button pushing at random is not the best approach. No, it's not. Um, I have also learned that not in an electrocution way, but in a, oh my God, I just broke something brand new way. Yes. Um, so. But, and also, Bo is like, that's not the greatest way because it's a spaceship and it could kill us. And we're in uh, it. <laughs> Or we need it, to it has fly home before. now. Yes. So Bo's like, hey, spaceship, take us home to Bright Moon. Yes. And, and you know, Mike is having it is this real moment. Does the Jenny thing where he's touching Bo's face. Yep. 
Um, and is still trying to figure out if everything is real and true. You know, are we on a spaceship? Does that horse still talk? And I've been there. Yeah. I've been like, wow, my life has completely changed in the past 24 hours. Is this, is any of this real? Uh, Only yeah, especially for him, because like he has been isolated on this nightmare island yeah. for so long. Nothing has changed for him for so long. And he's been on Nightmare Island that could have just made him go completely insane. Right. So I would hope and probably has hallucinated and like, yeah, you know, felt yeah, totally yeah, insane. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't blame and him. And now all of a sudden, like everything's changed. All of his dreams are coming true. It's like too good to be true, basically. Yeah. So off they go. Swifty's very annoyed that people keep questioning whether he can really talk. Yes, Micah, the horse talks. Yes. So off they fly, and we have the tiniest, tiniest micro scene back in the fright zone. We see Double Trouble chilling on Catra's introspection platform just long enough to send a little boop back to Glimmer. It did the thing. Check. Too easy. Too easy. Glimmer receives the check, and we have our final confirmation. Definitely for sure, we see the Double Trouble is on our side now. Yep. Huzzah. Yep. We knew that Huzzah. was coming. We knew that was coming. And I think I want to put a pin here. Next episode, I would really, and I realized that I was going to talk about this at some point in this this season, and I have it. Next episode, and Jenny, please remind me, I do want to talk about how Drubble Trouble as a non-binary character being a shapeshifter is problematic. Yeah. Um, because having the trans character be duplicitous is shady. Yeah. But I didn't write anything for that for this, and I really kind of wanted to dig into it and have a conversation about it. So, and I yeah, feel like I that's something the that can happen episode, in the next episode. Um, there's more conversation. There's more meat to get into it. There's a conversation yeah. between Double Trouble and Catra, where yeah. Double Trouble does more of the I switch sides reveal. So, yeah. it's, I think it's more appropriate for the next episode anyway. So, I would love to have that conversation. I think that is entirely appropriate fantastic so that's something to look forward to yes um so in the meantime we will go we will bamf back to bright moon we're bamfed up at bright moon um and so this is a heartbreaking moment i'm gonna skip over we don't have to go through every little detail um yeah basically glimmer and scorpia poof away just as micah and the others arrive back and they just miss each other and it's fucking heartbreaking it is heartbreaking as Micah is like yelling, Glimmer. Yeah. And they like just miss each other. Ugh. And not only that, Micah like gets there as Glimmer poofs away, goes like they run up to the throne and he sees fucking Shadow Weaver. Yes, and she's sitting, lounging. Lounging on the throne and he just comes in like guns a blazing. Yeah. That is like the He's last like, thing he probably expected to see. Yeah. I don't think anyone prepped him on the fact that Shadow Weaver was going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, can you imagine coming home, imagining seeing your daughter on the throne and instead seeing your abuser sitting on the throne of your dead wife? Yeah. Like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, it's really fucked up. After living on Depression Island for like 15 plus years. Yeah. Like, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. And on the flip side, um, I'm not. I'm not, this isn't a but, this is an and. It also seems like Shadow Weaver is legitimately as happy to see him as she could probably be to see anyone. 
Yes, she is. She's like genuinely happy to see him. She is. Um, but you know, they don't really have time to get into it. Yeah. It's like and where's Michael's- Glimmer? And that question just kind of hangs in the air. Yeah. And then we go to we go back to the smash, back to the fright zone. Yep. Where shit Patra enters the sanctum not knowing what we know. No, nope, he and knows this is, what she knows that we all know we know. We all know that we all know that you know. And Katra is like, hey, Hordak, do you want to talk to me? She's like, I don't have time, uh, yeah. man. What's up like, your butt? We got shit, we got to, shit do. to do. And then <laughs> he just fucking blasts at yeah. her. And he's like, hello, Force Captain. Yeah. And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. It's shit's about to go down. And then we have the credits. That's the perfect time for it to be continued cliffhanger. Cause it's a two parter. And then we go to credits. Jenny, some fucking shit's going to happen in the next episode. A season is going to end. This is truly one of the moments when uh, I am most grateful to have a full season dump so that we can binge. And not yes. not in the old days when you had to when this would have been like legitimately like, well, you have to wait a week to see how this is going to yeah. play out. Well, I mean, to be fair, Jenny and I, Jenny, you watched this real time as I did. So you did. We did have to wait after the, the cliffhanger of this season end to be like, oh, fuck, when season five going to happen? That is true. There are end of season cliffhangers. Was yes, there are end of season cliffhangers to consider. But, you know, when so. there's a two part episode. It's nice yeah. to be able to just binge the whole thing. Yeah. Well, you know, there are some people who even now in our current climate where you can often, you know, watch a whole season at once. People are like, I'm going to watch it one week at a time. Like, how? Why? Why would you do that to yourself? Well, I mean, not everybody has time to watch every. <laughs> no, no, no. But people who deliberately space like one episode per week and I'm going to follow along with this rewatch podcast and I'm not going to go ahead of the podcast ever. It's just going to be one episode per week. They're on this like regimented schedule. I just don't understand how you could have that kind of discipline. It's like you're not going to get any. You're not going to get a gold star for doing that. I don't know. I have that discipline for other stuff, not for TV. Yeah, it's like whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you happy, man. Yeah, do you think? Well, Jenny. Well, Beth. What did we learn today? Man. What did we learn from this episode? This was a crazy episode. I'm not sure it's what crazy I... crazy fucking episode. I'm not sure what I learned. Um, we learned to keep our pets out of Shadow Weaver's garden for sure. That's a really good lesson. You know, like you don't know who you might be crossing when your pet goes into someone else's yard. They could be. That's true. They could be benevolent or they could be scary. That's true. So make sure that you are responsible with your pets because you don't know whose wrath you're going to be incurring. That's a great lesson to learn. Yes. Be responsible with your pets. Yes. And we probably also learned that uh, if you want to help your friends feel better, Just, you know, get on their level. Get down on the floor if you have to and be like, hey, man, what's wrong? Like, you don't have to have all the answers. Just Mm -hmm. just say I I relate. I hear you. You know, I like I feel your feelings, man. That's all you need. You don't need a solution. You just need to be able to have empathy. Oh, see, Jenny, you always pull the best emotional 
uh, like lessons out of this because the the lessons I pull are like I learned about the difference between restorative justice versus punitive justice. That's also important. <laughs> I yeah. think that's really important yeah. to learn. Yeah. I, I try to pull the things that are less obvious. Yeah. You know, like the stuff well, that's, that's obvious, like we talked about these informational and factual things. Like, okay, everybody knows that, but what lessons can we pull out? Like, I try to, I try to be a little bit next level for the what did we learn. Well, well Jenny, you're a deep thinker. I'm glad so. you enjoy it. I hope, I hope the listeners do as well. I do. Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to reconnect to your runestone, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at HeyAdoraCast, or you can email us your plans to invade Bright Moon at HeyAdoraCast at gmail.com. I heard a rumor that we have a Patreon. Indeed. Indeed we do. And in fact, it's almost that special time to have our holiday live watch coming up soon. It's true. You should join us for our traditional live watch of the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special from the 80s in which you'll listen to two Jews who have about as much understanding of Christmas as two Eternians do. Watch this show. It's gay. It's ridiculous. And if you join our Patreon you get to join our Discord and join us in our live watch. Yes. You also get exclusive playlists, video hangouts, and so much more that I can't even remember them because I have no memory. You can find the link to our Patreon in our show notes or at heyadora.gay. And just a heads up, our playlist for Destiny will be linked in our episode Destiny 2 show notes. Next time next time. Nice, because it's, it's a, a two, big playlist. It's a two-parter, kid. Two-parter. Nice. Double, double-wide playlist. Nice. And remember, queer joy is radical. And queer love saves the universe. Oh. Destiny. Force Captain Catra. Nice.